Lane Neve is recognised as one of New Zealand's leading full-service law firms with offices in Auckland, Wellington, Christchurch and Queenstown. Founded in 1868, the firm has 26 partners and around 170 people, which means that it can call on its many experienced legal specialists to serve a huge variety of clients, from individuals to multinationals. It's also what makes Lane Neve a great place to work, as they're proud to put people, staff and clients at the heart of the firm. Kia ora, and welcome to today's episode of the What A Lawyer podcast. I'm your host, Sam Lindsay from Chisholm Clark, a professional agent in the New Zealand legal market by training and trade. And joining us today is a senior practitioner with many strings to his bow. Initially wanting to be a painter, he studied a Bachelor of Fine Arts before leaning towards the law and obtaining a master's degree with first-class honours from the University of Auckland. He then spent the first five years of his career in insolvency at Denton's Kensington Swan, before moving to Balgali to continue that work, as well as gain exposure to fraud and insurance. With this large and top tier experience, he pivoted to a boutique insurance specialist in Fee Langston, where he spent the next five years diving into, into the defensive side of litigation and insurance work. An opportunity came up for partnership at a relatively young age that saw him grab that opportunity with Stace Hammond, that would see him build a practice where his passion grew for cryptocurrency. Now a litigation partner in Lane Neve's National Dispute Resolution and Litigation Team, he specialises in banking and finance, insolvency and restructuring and insurance, but also has this passion for cryptocurrency, digital assets and Web3 technology, to the extent now that he has become a real specialist in this area. He has advised many clients interested in digital assets, and these include insolvency practitioners, private wealth clients and businesses on a range of matters. He's a member of the Crypto Legal Working Group, and was recently on the Executive Council for Black Blockchain New Zealand. He is a member of Retans, which is the leading insolvency in, uh, industry group, and a founding member of the NZICM, an industry group for credit management professionals. He was ranked by Doyle's Guide as a leading insolvency and restructuring lawyer for New Zealand in 2022, and recognised by New Zealand Lawyer as a changemaker in its 2023 Most Influential Lawyers rankings. Outside of work, he loves spending time with his wife and two kids, still loves art and getting around sport, and has recently been learning how to skateboard instead of always having his son have all the fun at the skate park. What a dad, what a lawyer. It's James Cochran. Hey, uh, thanks, Sam. Um, such a um, lovely intro uh, and fantastic to be on your podcast and uh, included with some of the other fantastic lawyers that you've had on. Welcome, James, and, and thanks very much for being with us today. So what's been going on with you lately? Uh, I, I do a lot of recovering money for clients and uh, with the current downturn in the economy and cost of living crisis, uh, that sort of work is certainly keeping me busy. Generally, as the market gets tougher, there's more dispute work for litigators, uh, which is great. Between that, kids, life, uh, there's plenty on. Cool. Nice one. Now, if, if, I get, if I get into the gym... Um, once a week, I'm pretty happy these days. Now, we had a quick summary of your background at the start, um, but for our listeners out there, would you be able to talk us through your journey in a bit more detail and perhaps the skills and the areas of law that you've managed to pick up along the way? Sure, no problem. So, um, yes, as you said, I started my career. Um, well, in initially, I was I was going to be a painter. I um, 
I got into the Bachelor of Visual Arts program at AUT and um, was majoring in um, painting. Um, and then I decided that there were not enough rules in that subject matter. Uh, and so I decided to trade it in for uh, uh, a, a Bachelor of Laws and Arts at University of Auckland. One thing led to another and I got an opportunity to uh, summer clerk at Kensington Swan and uh, embraced that with both hands. It was at KS that um, the partners gave me an opportunity to do a master's and um, uh, it was one of those ones I did at the University of Auckland were uh, able to pick topics that I thought would assist my development uh, and the firm um, in terms of some of the, the, the work that we were doing. Um, so I'm um, continuing on with the sort of financial services specialty, um, uh, did papers that related to that. And uh, that that learning um, and experience served me well. And uh, I was approached by a couple of other firms um, and then ultimately got an offer from um, Bell Gully and uh, was in the litigation insolvency team there for a couple of years. And this was around the time of the global financial crisis. Mm. And so, so this is um, showing my age now, but um, yeah, so that things were basically in full swing pretty much after I started at Kensington Swan and all the way through uh, my time at Bell Gully. Um, I guess the move to Bell Gully was prompted by uh, not because I um, wasn't enjoying Denton's Kensington Swan. It was um, more that I wanted to do more receivership work, which I um, saw Bell Gully as being a leader in. And um, I certainly got what I wanted uh, and worked on some very large insolvencies there with that team. Um, great work. Um, but at that same time, I was, um, I guess, you know, it was around 2013, the GFC insolvency work was starting to lighten up. You know, some of the bigger cases like, like Bridge Corp were starting to get resolved. And um, I guess I was not wanting to be a one-trick pony, if that's what you want to call it. And I thought I needed more more strings on my bow, and um, I had become interested in um, through my work at Bell Gully um, around um, Christchurch earthquake. There's some I was involved in some business interruption claims that sort of had a fraudulent element, and was quite interested in that, and um, decided to, as you said, pivot into um, more the defensive side of litigation. Um, so rather than chasing debts and um, suing directors, uh, I um, moved to the specialist insurance firm and um, was principally doing defensive work for professionals under professional indemnity uh, insurance policies, director liability, DNO insurance policies, um, but a whole range of different insurance related work, statutory liability, and um, material damage, that sort of thing. Um, we're still doing recoveries work on the trade credit side, also still representing insolvency practitioners and insolvency matters. 
exploring the idea of whether um, working in-house, you know, might be a career path that I wanted to to head down. Um, ultimately, uh, decided maybe it wasn't for me, and I did want to um, focus on my career in the law as a, a partner. That was a big goal for me at the time, and um, uh, an opportunity for partnership came up with uh, Stace Hammond. Stace Hammond has a, a very proud, proud pedigree in in terms of banking and finance. Um, one of the former partners was um, Paul Heath KC, his former Justice Heath, who wrote the text, one of the, one of the writers of the textbook for um, insolvency, Heath and Whale. Mm -hmm. And um, I saw it as a good opportunity to, I guess, establish a practice and um, and grow profile in the Auckland market. Um, and it was it was there that um, I continued to do sort of banking financial services, a little bit of insurance here and there. Um, but it was there that I uh, became, uh, I guess, extra interested in um, digital assets as a possible career opportunity, practice area specialty. I first uh, heard about Bitcoin probably around 2015, 2016. And at the time, it was around $1,000 Kiwi. Uh, um, so I'd like to say I bought a whole heap of it and rode, you know, rode off into the sunset. Um, yeah. uh, but that unfortunately wasn't the case. I had just acquired a, a mortgage and uh, um, I guess hadn't done the learning that um, I have now. And so missed, missed an opportunity back then. But um, yeah, it was really in probably around March 2020 and COVID when, you know, sitting at home, trapped in lockdown. And I was thinking, what's a what's a way that I can, you know, what's something I'm really interested in? What's something that I can possibly uh, do or um, which, you know, is something unique for um, myself and and to, um, to, to grow the profile of, um, the partnership, Stace Hammond, um, and I, I didn't see many people, many other lawyers dealing in this subject matter, and I was aware of uh, a, a couple of significant New Zealand insolvencies relating to crypto businesses, um, Bitcoinica and Cryptopia, and uh, it was something where I, I felt it fit nicely into my skill set pretty pretty quick rundown of about 16 years yep uh, good stuff and no, i appreciate that so the topic of today's episode is is all about cryptocurrency and we have these three main points to cover um how you got into it and why you love it so much um what areas of law surround cryptocurrency and we'd also love to get your thoughts and insight um into some of the legislative gray areas so let's launch in with question number one and you know, why, how did you get into it, first of all, and why do you love it so much? I had um, uh, a good friend of mine had, uh, he's a, a real early adopter. He had uh, gotten early and he had done really well. And, um, you know, I think it would have been around 2018, started 20, late 2017, maybe early 2018. I'd said to him, hey, look, I'm really interested in this uh, thing called Ethereum. Um, maybe you can um, help me get some of that. And um, 
ultimately um, made a small investment and uh, very shortly after that, it, it promptly crashed 90%. <laughs> so, so um, I, I guess, you know, my, my learning at that time was, um, you know, one thing my friend had always said to me is uh, crypto can be a, a bit of a wild west. Don't ever invest any more than you're prepared to lose. And um Anyway, so that was that was my first investment, and I have to admit, I um, largely forgot about it, apart from you know sort of hearing on podcasts. This is kind of what happens. This was it so happened that it was, you know, the peak of absolute peak of that particular bull cycle for um, digital assets uh, when I invested, and then um, what happens uh, with cryptos? They go through bull markets, bear markets, and what, what in crypto circles are referred to as crypto winter is just where the, a lot of the assets just really, really plummet in value. A lot of the interest in them really um, uh, dries up and um, people think it's dead. And then there's another market cycle and it kicks off again. So mm. yeah, it was, um, I guess, why am I interested? I mean, I've always been a, a bit of a... <clears throat> bit of a computer nerd, you know, right from when I was, um, I think, nine or 10. Uh, Dad got us a Commodore Amiga 500 and uh, had a whole bunch of games on that and, you know, try and learn things like how, how to how to copy games and just understand the tech a bit better. Um, you know, in my teens, downloading music um, via Napster, you know, exploring those new technologies mm. on the internet. Um, I've always been pretty fascinated with with that sort of thing. One of the things I really found interesting about uh, cryptocurrency, particularly Bitcoin, is um, before um, before Bitcoin, there was really no way uh, to um, transfer money on the internet other than through centralized parties. So um, you needed something like a Visa or a PayPal in order to do a transaction. Whereas what um, um, decentralized technology, blockchain technology can do is it allows you to uh, transact peer-to-peer without necessarily knowing who the other party is uh, and you don't need a middleman. So there's you don't need to rely on a bank or anything like that. You can um, just transact with a, essentially a network of computers. And I found, I thought that was incredibly unique and something that, um, I needed to understand, and, and when you sort of dig into it, there were um, uh, some statistics around. You know, the adoption of cryptocurrency is or digital assets is uh, greater than the adoption of uh, the internet in the '90s. Um, and when you when you look at how e-commerce and um, uh, has grown, just how big some businesses can be because of the internet you know that um those those sort of figures just really interested me cryptocurrencies are not all alike some are very different they've got different levels of security um you know, for example um the bitcoin blockchain's never been hacked you know um but then there are other ones which are newer they're more risky um they're less decentralized so something like Bitcoin has no, it's 
it doesn't have a CEO. It doesn't have a board of directors. It's not like a traditional company structure. It is the one of the parties who um, made, who came up with what's called a white paper about um, Bitcoin, um, was pseudonymous, named Satoshi Nakamoto. No one knows who Satoshi is. Satoshi mined a million uh, Bitcoin and then vanished. You know, this is the thing that's, you know, it's a fantastic story. Mm. Quite remarkable. You sort of go, how is it that in the internet where everything is recorded online, that someone can just be anonymous? Mm. That's very that's very different to a lot of the newer um the newer cryptocurrencies or um digital asset projects which are a lot more like fintech uh companies yeah so was, i guess it was this a uh, whole whole bunch of things you know that that led to me being really interested in it so if we look at our next point now and discuss what areas really surround cryptocurrency are you able to give us some examples you know from your current work that you know you can talk about yeah so um i guess with my journey i had I, I thought one of the best ways for me to learn and understand the technology is to acquire it and use it i guess having the assets got me thinking about different aspects of the law that might apply mm -hmm. so i would um for example so initially i to to sort of hone my thinking i i I think my first article that I wrote was about uh, some crypto failures, um, Cryptopia and Quadriga, which is a Canadian exchange, and um, tried to discuss um, New Zealand law that might apply. So New Zealand insolvency laws that might apply, Companies Act uh, issues. And then, um, you know, when you decide to experiment with certain tokens you um, might have acquired some um, Bitcoin or you might have acquired some Ethereum and then you wanted to convert that into some other type of coin that you're interested in like Polkadot and what does that give rise to a, a tax liability potentially and so um, uh, Duggan wrote a, wrote a couple of articles about um, uh, possible tax treatment of crypto crypto assets because you know at the time this is all very new technology there's not a lot of guidance around um, there's a handful of guidance from our FMA handful of guidance from our IRD um, but um, you know just really trying to understand that I think well if I've got digital assets um, surely there are other people who are also acquiring digital assets you know, uh, um and so some of those assets are going to be property they're going to be relationship property they could be estate property and uh, so i got together with um, one of my colleagues kezia denha and we wrote a, a paper for adls on um uh regarding relationship property and digital assets and um you know it's why i guess when you get back to those demographics and that adoption, you know, there's like seven or eight percent of Kiwis who apparently hold digital assets. Uh, I guess it depends on the type timing of the market, but um, yeah. So, uh, the, and writing about it and and working through it, um, 
ultimately led to instructions and we got instructed by uh, a client who wanted to sell their property for Bitcoin. Um, the you know, big believer in Bitcoin. We assisted with that. We've had clients who are involved in uh, gaming who are wanting to know if they have um, if they have potential risk in terms of financial markets conduct act or financial services providers. Um, so these are these are like blockchain games where the um, tokens are used in the games for certain things, um, and they want advice around, um, I guess, asset uh, protection and strategy, um, and uh, have you know when when the markets are are good, and you'll see um, you know traditional businesses wanting to experiment with NFTs. For example, you know, it's like a, a loyalty um, program or maybe ticketing for events. Got an, a client who's um, involved in events and they're exploring the use of NFTs uh, for VIP um, ticket holders. And just quickly, James, just for those out there that don't know what an NFT is. Yeah, so um, digital assets are generally two, two categories. They're called fungible and non-fungible. So um, something um, uh, like Bitcoin is fungible so that all the Bitcoins are interchangeable for other Bitcoins they are the same, whereas non-fungible tokens or NFTs are unique digital assets. So they're, um, some people sort of think about them, you know, they can come in collections um, and in that sense, they're possibly a bit like postage stamps or collector cards, but they're all individually different somehow. They're all all unique, and um, everything was going completely bananas um, in 2021. So um, that's when it just so happened that the the work we were doing was really taking off, um, and we're advising lots of clients on that advisory side. And then we're also when the market started to turn at the end of um, 2021, 22. Um, started to get more instructions on the contentious side. So clients who were, you know, for example, had been uh, scammed um, or thought that their uh, exchange that they were using had let them down and, and um, they wanted to try and recover some funds. Uh, we, we were doing more of that sort of work. Um, so, yeah, and advice uh, around the tax, you know, liabilities and things like that. Let's talk about the legislative gray area surrounding cryptocurrency. What are you seeing here? Yeah, so um, I guess in New Zealand, we don't have any specific crypto law, right? There's no crypto act. It's a bit different in Europe. They've just got um, the markets and crypto assets regulations. So the specific uh, law to uh, deal with digital assets. Um, so what you ha I guess there's a um, probably a misconception among a lot of people who are using digital assets that because everything is quote unquote decentralized that um, there's no law that really applies, but that's absolutely not the case. You know, every jurisdiction has law that could potentially apply, and um, uh, you know, in New Zealand we've you know touched on this um, previously, but there's you know numerous laws that can apply. The Fair Trading Act. You know, um, Financial Markets Conduct Act, tax uh, acts, um, you know, various other 
um, laws that can um, apply to any business that deals um, uh, with digital assets. You know, so um, there is, you know, if there is a perception that um, just because you're you're working in the subject matter, you don't have to comply with the law, that's wrong. And I guess a couple of recent cases um, regarding uh, some big exchanges, big crypto exchanges, uh, FTX and um, Binance, they really highlight just the the reach of um, some of the uh, the regulators. Um, F FTX uh, was at at one time I think the second largest um, crypto exchange in the world, and uh, that uh, famously fell into um, U.S. bankruptcy, basically our um, liquidation. Um, and its poster boy, a guy named Sam Bankman-Fried, has recently been convicted of uh, essentially um, fraud and conspiracy. Um, the the um, essentially misleading uh, investors and users of the platform around the what was happening with their with their assets, um, rather than those assets being safe, they were in fact being um, essentially used by a related party hedge fund uh, called Alameda, which he uh, also had an uh, interest in. And those funds were uh, lost. And um, there was uh, different reasons for the insolvency of the business, but um, that's a really significant crypto um, insolvency and fraud case. And I, and I guess one point to, to note about that is this is not a problem with the tech. It's not the fault of the cryptocurrency itself. Um, um, it's bad actors uh, who are responsible for harming others, right? This is, you know, um, Sam was convicted of fraud. Um, and that's no different to Charles Ponzi or Bernie Madoff or Elizabeth Holmes from Theranos, you know, these are bad actors, you know, taking advantage of uh, a space where people perhaps aren't familiar, don't understand exactly how it works. And um, in this case, they've uh, been caught out. A big thing here is understanding the, the tech and uh, educating people on the risks around it. And that's um, a big part of what uh, we do at Blockchain NZ. Um, and uh, Blockchain NZ is, you know, they're, um, I guess, uh, looking towards regulation in this space. And uh, I'm a, um, personally, I'm a, a, a pretty big believer that having a, Specialist Crypto Act, like MICA, uh, would be um, good for the the space in terms of helping people to identify where, you know, the law would apply to to, to digital assets. Mm. You know, so long as so long as that act is still, um, it's not it's not um, too uh, restrictive in what people can and can't do, or creates too much compliance. Um, then I think that's a good thing. You know, it it will give clarity for people who want to invest in the space and build businesses, um, which leads to more innovation in New Zealand. If there's too much uh, regulation, over-regulation, then um, 
or the penalties are too bad for non-compliance, New Zealand business just heads overseas. Mm. We're um, going to jump into our quickfire segment now. Um, and obviously, these are the questions that you don't know about. So we're looking for your first and genuine answer. Um, who is someone that you look up to and why? I mean, in the law, and there's, I've been very fortunate to work for a whole number of different partners uh, who each have their own um, way of doing things, and I've definitely learned a lot from them. But um, I guess if I have to pick one person who I look up to, uh, I'd say my wife, um, Dominique. She's an incredible mum to our kids. Um, she works incredibly uh, hard in her job as uh, a family lawyer. Um, she she's funny. She's smart. She uh, cares for me endlessly, and I'm just super lucky to have her. So I really look up to her. Well, that response is going to earn you some brownie points. Um, what is something that you do for you, and why? Um, I if I can get out of the office. Uh, to ha have a bit of time to do uh, some sort of physical activity. Um, that's uh, that's great. And, you know, I've been working a bit harder uh, recently to try and make that a priority again. Um, I love, um, in terms of you know, going to the gym, love fishing, love, as you said, skateboarding is a, a new passion, a whole, whole bunch of different sports. But, I, you know, I really love getting out, um, particularly with the kids, and sharing some sort of physical activity with them, going going swimming or going to the pump track, I think that's um, that's pretty good. It's, you know, helps me relax um, because you know uh, law's a stressful job, and um, when you are um, trying to resolve problems for people, uh, it's nice to be able to focus on yourself and your your family, and um, yeah, cool. doing it through some physical activity is the way I like to do it. Nice. And if you were to summarize the reason that you love crypto so much really quickly for us, how would that go? Uh, I guess it's because it's um, something that I'm interested in. I've, you know, I've, um, I love all the other types of or aspects of law that I, I, I work in. Um, but the crypto stuff is, uh, for some reason, I'm just fascinated with it. You know, I, I will do things on my spare time, like read articles, you know, where most people, you know, turn on keeping up with the Kardashians or something like that. I'm reading Coindesk yeah. articles and, you know, it's just something I'm interested in. So I want to do more of it and I want to explain to people why it's actually not something to be scared of. Mm -hmm. It's actually a great technology that we should be embracing and it's a great opportunity for for New Zealand and New Zealand businesses. And I don't want it to be, um, I guess, shut down because people aren't don't understand how it works and are scared of it. What is something you wish law school had better prepared you for when entering your first role? I guess um, you know you, you you learn the theory at law school, but the the practice is. Um, not uh, prioritized quite so much. I think maybe uh, if, I guess the value of other life skills that you have in terms of helping you manage your relationships with your clients and your colleagues and your family, you know, that could be something um, that uh, law school could probably um, emphasize a bit more. 
Mm -hmm. you know, because uh, law is um, very much a a, a profession and a business that revolves around those relationships. You know, you've got to have great relationships with your clients. You've got to have, um, and while you're doing this job, maintain relationships with your with your family and your colleagues as well. Yeah, cool. And last question is, what is a piece of advice that you would give a young James? Mm. Uh, I I have a tendency to um, be a bit of a perfectionist and. Um, you know, I think being prepared to uh, give things a go and not be afraid to fail is um, pretty good advice. Um, not, you know, there's, of course, it's important to have, um, to produce really high quality um, legal services, right? That's critical in our business and it's expected. But equally, you know, if I hadn't um, gone out a limb, on a limb and, and given um, essentially trying to build a business around digital assets ago, um, you know, maybe I wouldn't have the same enjoyment in in my uh, role as I do have, you know, and that's opened the door for me to have uh, this fantastic opportunity at Lane Neve, which I'm just super thankful for and, uh, am, you know, thoroughly enjoying. So, you know, uh, keep working hard um, and don't be afraid to fail. Nice. Before we sign off today, um, thanks very much to our listeners and sponsors for your generosity and feedback. It's always much appreciated. If you enjoyed this episode or the show in general, uh, please give us a follow. And if you have any feedback on this episode for James or myself, please email sam at chismclark.co.nz so we can produce more of the kinds of conversations that you want to hear. And finally, a massive thank you to our esteemed guest for joining us on the podcast and sharing his experience and passion for cryptocurrency and the legal world surrounding it. Thank you so much, James. What a lawyer, James Cochran. Thanks, Sam. I've really enjoyed it and um, great questions from you. Love the podcast. Keep it up. Cheers, mate. Appreciate that. Well, there you have it from James Cochran on cryptocurrency and the legal world surrounding it. James clearly has a passion for this subject matter and hence why we thought he would be a great guest to have on the show to not only share his passion and his knowledge for it, but also some deeper insight into how he got into it, the legal areas surrounding cryptocurrency and the inevitable legislative grey areas as well. Something that resonated with me in the chat with James around how he got into it was his personal usage of digital assets and the acquisition and experimentation with Bitcoin, for example. In terms of the legal areas surrounding the actual cryptocurrency itself, we discussed a lot of insurance, insolvency, and ownership of digital assets in this conversation, as well as some IP and tax treatment of digital assets, which could potentially give issues to wills, trusts, estates, and relationship property. And in James's case, how he's advising his clients around these areas of law. We went on to talk about the grey area and James made a really good case around regulation and how that might come in. But he also raised real risk that New Zealand businesses might face and that if it becomes too regulated, there's too much compliance, too much red tape, New Zealand businesses could potentially look offshore and that might be a negative impact for our New Zealand economy. 
Well, that's it for another episode of the What A Lawyer podcast. Uh, Thank you so much for tuning in, and we look forward to providing our next episode for you very soon. Cheers.